1: And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in here today on The Steve Day Show, powered by CRTV. It's our free podcast. Available on iHeart, iTunes, and Stitcher. Todd and Aaron are here with us. You can join us as well. Let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show, and the last name is spelled D E A. Ce Gentlemen, we just wrapped up today's television show for CRTV. Let's give folks a taste of what's to come later today. Todd, what stood out to you? What do you want to preview?
2: Well, we talked about uh, the news about uh, Matt Lauer being fired. And after the TV show and before doing this, you and I were talking out there, and I said, I don't think there's a single issue that I can recall that I am so – Uncertain about in terms of where this ultimately goes. Uh, I, and that's saying a lot concerning. We're coming off the heels of that uh, 2016 election when we were trying to keep up with the changing environment, uh, the new rules of the game. But even that seems like more solid footing than this. I just honestly have no idea ultimately Uh, a world that was already so deeply confused about things like, you know, what is a man and what is a woman and transgenderism. How we're going to move on from this or if it's even possible, I just don't know. Aaron.
0: Yeah, that was, uh, that was one of the conversations that uh, stood out. Also, our uh, weekly prophet of lamentation and uh, woe, Daniel Horowitz, was uh, on again today. And uh, before we uh, talked about what Todd was just mentioning in the uh, CR roundtable, we actually talked about tax reform. And you won't believe the attitude Daniel had. Indeed.
1: Indeed. Indeed, it, it's it might not be what you expect. It's not what I expected. So you can find out for yourself today at CRTV.com, promo code DACE. CRTV.com, promo code DACE, and it's the perfect... Gift for the discerning patriot in your life, a subscription to CRTV for Christmas. Use my promo, or my name is the promo code. You'll get that at a reduced rate. And that will also get you access not just to our show at that reduced rate, but all of the shows uh, here at CRTV, including from the great one Mark Levin himself. CRTV.com, promo code Days. It's time for Worldview Wednesday. I personally believe elitism, Marxism, atheist, government intervention, secular humanist, liberals and conservatives, materialism, nihilism, US
0: Americans, Christian, globalist, socialist, democracy. Worldview, as the word suggests, is how we look at the world around us. How do we
2: understand?
0: Life as it hits us in the face. Libertarian.
2: Tea partyer. The free market. Nobody is without a worldview. The only question is, is it a good one or a bad one?
0: So it becomes the glasses, the spectacles, the filter through which they're actually seeing life. And the whole universe and the world and human life is understood through that lens. This is Steve Dace.
1: And this is Worldview Wednesday, your college philosophy class via podcast here on CRTV. And just in time for the Christmas season, we are beginning a three-week series here on Advent, on Worldview Wednesday, with the intent of answering the question, why Christmas? Why did we have to have Christmas? What was happening in the world before we did? What does Christmas really mean? In part one this week, we're going to answer some of the questions that relate back to one of the classic songs we hear this time of year. O oh, Holy Night. O oh, Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. And then there's this line. Long lay the world, and sin and error pining, till he appeared, and the soul felt its worth. What was the world like before Christmas? What does this lyric mean? Long lay the world in sin and error pining. See, there's more happening here at Christmas than just the traditions, the sights, the sounds, the smells, the tastes, and all of those things are great. And believe me, I I partake in more than my share of them this time of year. But the reason why this time of year we feel as if stuff seems to taste better. We seem to be unless in in a lot of us you know in our culture this time of year when we're reminded of our loneliness we struggle with depression but for those of us that are blessed to not have to struggle through that we do seem to have an extra bounce in our step this time of year our kids tend to behave and mind better there's a gleam in the eye how many times have you heard people say boy I wish every day could be like Christmas I wish it could be like this all year round well you know this idea that things just seem to be better this time of year is a shadow um, a morsel of the actual condition of the world before Christmas itself. And it explains why. In the next line of the song, it says, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Why did angels sing hallelujah? Why did three kings show up, travel from far to see this boy born in a barn the one child right when you left the door open when you were a kid I don't know if moms still do this with nowadays Aaron but when we left the door open when we were a kid Todd what did mom say to us were you born in a barn the one kid who could legitimately answer back to his mama well yeah is Jesus was literally born in a barn why was there so much rejoicing over this birth why was there this feeling that at this moment things are going to get better? Why would a weary world rejoice? And when we answer that question, then we fast forward 2,000 years later and we understand why it is we feel more kindness, more compassion, more love within ourselves and for one another this time of year. And why it's a struggle to maintain that same spirit the rest of the year. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. What does the term long mean? In this case, it means long essentially from the infancy of the human species. That's how long the world had laid in disrepair. All creation was groaning, as Paul writes in Romans. In sin and error pining, as it says in the song, O Holy Night. Because, see, when God made the world, he made a paradise. And he said it is good. And what is the root word of good? God. And within the world he made that he said was good were people, human beings, which meant also at that point, human beings were also what? They were good. In fact, they were so good that God looked at Adam his initial creation and he said I am voluntarily appointing my power over this earth to you you have dominion you have dominion over this world I have made be fruitful multiply claim it as your own, you and your wife. Fill it with your descendants. This belongs to you. I have one thing as the maker that I have reserved for myself. And I think I'm entitled to that, God said. After all, I made it. Similar to when when you make your own children with your spouse, or your significant other and you tell your kids, hey, if the door's locked to our bedroom, you don't walk in. If it's closed, you don't walk in. You don't, take, you don't borrow the car without our permission. Meaning, I made you and my goal ultimately as your loving father and mother is to give you everything that I have but within that goal, I reserve the right to I reserve the right to reserve some things that are just for me and your co-creator over here. That's essentially what God said to his first two children. He said, "Hey, this is all yours, but this thing right here, it belongs to me." And all Adam and Eve had to do was respect that boundary respect that though they have the image within them of God they have the power to create life as God does although they can't create it on their own they need one another to do so God can create life unto himself but, but they have some of his divine attributes and the only rule that was given to them was to respect the boundaries of authority between God and them. And if they were willing to do so, all authority under heaven and earth beyond just that boundary belonged to them. What would you do if God said, I'm going to make you the most powerful person on this planet. And in exchange, I just need you to just do this one thing. Leave this one thing aside. Sounds like a pretty simple bargain, right? Sounds pretty easy. No problem at all. Except it's not. Because, see, we wrestle with God's boundaries. We wrestle with his authority. And along comes an agent of chaos and temptation. And he says to Adam and Eve, did God really say that? Is that really what God said that you couldn't cross this line? And if he did say it, maybe he said it because he doesn't want you to become like him. He's holding out on you. Now, understand that Adam and Eve have just been told by the most powerful being in the cosmos this paradise God has made is all of theirs except this one thing. You would think you'd be contented with that, wouldn't you? And we look back on it now and think how could you not be content with all of that? I'll get personal here for a minute. I went to breakfast last week with uh, an old sports buddy of mine when I used to be involved in uh, Iowa State athletics, and we probably because you know our careers have just gone on a different path, and I, I probably haven't had a serious conversation with him in about ten years, you know. And um, we meet for breakfast, and he meets me there, and first thing he says to me, these are his opening words: "He goes so." Man, you're looking pretty good. You've lost a lot of weight. You're in really good shape. I'm impressed. Now, you know, he was an all-conference first-team football player, so I'm going to take that as a compliment given the source. (laughs) All right? All right? He goes, you look like you're really working out. You're in pretty good shape. Because I follow, I see your daughter was had the lean and hairspray down at the Civic Center. Your other daughter looks like she could, you know, be a model. I see your son scoring t- scored his first touchdown. Did I read it right? I, I, did I read right that your wife does, like, sex therapy? He's like, man, that probably has to come with some fringe benefits. And then I see, what do you got, 50,000 Twitter followers? He's like, your life must be going pretty good right now. And I just burst out laughing, out belly laughed out loud when he said that, okay? Because he has no idea outside of just what he has seen in the periphery of what's going on in my life, you know? And like all these existential questions I've been asking myself about my career and everything else, not that they're not important, but... I hadn't spoken to this guy in 10 years. We used to work together. I hadn't spoken to him for 10 years. That what I just recited to you was his opening 3-minute greeting to me. And it just literally felt like like the Holy Spirit had hand chosen this guy to take his belt off and spank me with it. You know what I'm saying? I mean I just I I laughed the laugh of a guy who realizes his own the, the tomfoolery foolishness of his own self-pity not that you know i don't have some serious questions i need to answer that's not the point but the level of angst i'm exhibiting here because and i and, and after i got done laughing he's like what's so funny and i just looked at him and said well when you put it that way you're right i really don't have a lot to complain about how many men would like to get paid How many men would like to get paid for standing up for what they believe in? That's their job. How many men would like to be married to a woman who has a higher sex drive than they do? Now, I have problems at my home. My wife and I don't always get along. My kids are not perfect. But for a kid born to a 15 year old mom who grew up in a white trash ghetto and flunked out of college because they it turns out I learned, no one told me this in advance, they don't allow you to major in super tech mobile wish they would have told me that. I'm still paying the student loans for that one. I think things have actually, when you look at it that way, I think things for me have actually turned out pretty good. Yet how often do I think about that? Do I think like that? I needed someone to externally prod me into thinking outside of myself rather than struggling with midlife crisis discontentment. How much of the rest of the world would love to have the problems we have? Your HDTV went out or you found out DirecTV is having a uh, another dispute with Sinclair Broadcasting so your local Fox affiliate is out right before the Super Bowl. Dude, does that suck? Yeah. But 95% of the rest of this planet would like to have that be their primary lament. Yesterday, today, Tomorrow and forever. They would, trade pra- they would trade places with our problems in a heartbeat. So, before we decide in hindsight to judge Adam and Eve, for how could they not be satisfied with what they had? Let's walk a kilometer in their shoes and look around us and and wonder amongst ourselves how many of us are truly contented with what we have the unwillingness to be contented with what God had given them causes them to make a decision we're not satisfied merely being the firstborn children of Almighty God. We want to be like God ourselves. And we will not respect that boundary, but we will violate it. And that choice that was made eons ago is why in O Holy Night it says, long lay the world in sin and error pining. Eons more go by and we get to the time of Noah and it is such a time of immorality, cruelty that God contemplates hitting the control alt delete button on his own creation and ultimately does. A friend of mine is a historian, Bill Federer, and he hosts the American minute. He lives down in St. Louis. And a few years ago, he wrote this book called from change to, to chains and it essentially was a reader's digest world history and what it has found is freedom liberty as we know it in America has been a faint ripple through through time through the history of our kind that more than likely we spend most of our time either being conquered by tyrants or voluntarily handing our freedom over to them because we're afraid that we can't govern ourselves. And then their tyrant fights our tyrant, their oppressor fights our oppressor, and mass bloodshed. This is, this is the story of humanity. George W. Bush is wrong. We, we don't want to be free. Well, not in the way he means. We want to be free of divine accountability to do it as we wish but not the kind of freedom where i just want to live my life in peace and love my neighbor as i love myself that's that united methodist semi-progressive view of the world george w bush has That is not what history says is true history says the opposite my idea of freedom is probably not yours and if your idea of freedom is not mine then i want to take your freedom away that's what history says about us And God's idea of freedom is not my idea of freedom. And if God won't give me my idea of freedom, I will just take it for myself. Regardless of the consequences. And suffer them later. Well, I don't want to believe in, Steve, anything I can't hear or touch or feel or see. Imagine you spent over 400 years enslaved as a people and a man comes along and he says you're free now God has called me to let and demand that we let his people go free and all I need you to do is follow me out into this wilderness into this desert and God will show us this promised land that he has left for us and you come to this embankment Where the only thing standing between you and your former oppressors who are now lining up their soldiers to recapture or kill you is this great body of water you cannot cross on your own. And your deliverer looks at you and says, stand still and wait for the salvation of the Lord. And he plants his staff and the waters part. And you see this with your own eyes. And you walk across this dry land like it was a bridge specifically made for you while you watch these two bodies, this giant body of water separated into two on opposite sides. And you're just walking across it like it was a bridge built for you all this entire time. You see pillars, you see clouds and and pillars, pillars of clouds, burning bushes, consuming fires. Your people are hungry and they get up one day, and there's this honey like wafer sitting in the fields, and you just eat as much of it as you want. Most of the week, you've seen water spilled from a rock. You watched the sun stand still. You saw the walls of Jericho fall. You saw all of these tremendous miracles that you and your people were not empowered to do on your own. In other words, they got to see, touch, hear, feel the literal presence of God. And yet the history of that people is filled with great sin and error pining and rebellion and defeat Jesus tells a parable of a man in hell who says please let me out let me go back and warn my loved ones to follow God so they don't end up like me and at the end of the parable Jesus says if they didn't believe Moses and they didn't believe a man rising from the dead I don't know why they would believe you Oh, well, Steve, yeah, but that wasn't God, you know. That was, you know, kind of manifestations, not like literally God. If God was like literally here, literally here, Steve, I would do what he asked. Would you? Because he was literally here. We sing this song this time of year Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Emmanuel means what? God with us. God is with us. Yes. He was literally here. He literally was. He literally had to be potty trained by his mom like you and I. He had to be breastfed by his mom like you and I. He had to relieve himself. The king of the universe had to relieve his own bowels and urinate like you and I. Got tired and had to sleep like you and I. Sweat like you and I. Bleed like you and I. People touched the hem of his garment. They were healed. They saw the great miracles he performed. They saw him call Lazarus Lazarus forth from the dead. They saw him come forth from the dead. And many didn't believe either. They did get to see, touch, hear, and feel. And they didn't believe either. this this was the default setting of this world prior to Christmas. In fact, even since Christmas, it remains the default setting of this world without the acknowledgement of Christmas. This explains why this time of year we sense something among us. That we don't often sense the rest of the year. Hallmark runs cheesy romance movies that we all know the plot to all year long. How come their ratings are off the chain this time of year and they're not in May? Because this time of year, those stories that are formulatic, that we kind of know what the twist is going to be at the end, this time of year, they're heartwarming. In April, it's cheesy. Why is that? Why is that? Because this time of year exists because when we couldn't get up to heaven, heaven came down to us. That reminder, that acknowledgement, just. It's amazing with what a little bit of the presence of God can do. Even a tertiary acknowledgement of it causes us, even if we don't even know what the direct reason for it is, this time of year, there is something about it that often we don't get. We, it's a lost art. But this time of year, there, there is something in the air that causes us to think outside of ourselves. It's why charitable organizations will raise more money this time of year than they will the rest of the year combined. We seek opportunities to think outside of ourselves. We're actively engaged in it. We're stressed out about the opportunity to think outside of ourselves. I had a 10 minute conversation for the show today about video game consoles and history because, Todd, you got to get it right, man. This is what your family wants. Got to nail this thing. I want to make sure I get the right thing. The rest of the year, we barely think outside of ourselves. This time of year, we're stressed out by thinking outside of ourselves. We want to please, I get the right gift for my loved one. I want them to know. I want them to see how much I care, right? That's what we're stressed out about. The rest of the year, we're stressed out about ourselves and on our own selfish desires. This time of year, we're stressed out about pleasing other people. How to do that right. Why? Because that's just what a little touch of the divine does a little slice of heaven a little bit of light shining in the darkness and the darkness has comprehended it Comprehended it not we have no idea in many of our minds what that light is or where it comes from but because as much of our own sinfulness we enjoy still within us in each of us yes I believe in total depravity But I also believe in the Imago Dei. It's why even terrible people can still do great things, kind things. And then after they're done being kind, go back to being terrible. Because when we're prompted to live outside of ourselves, look what we are capable of as a people. Because when we live outside of ourselves, that means we're living for something other than ourselves. And we're sinners. And living inside ourselves and for ourselves means we're living for sin. And if you do that, and I do that, and this person does that, and a million people do that, if a billion people do that, and we do that for eons, guess what? long lay the world in sin and error pining that's the way we lived as a species for eons we lived for ourselves within ourselves not always but collectively that was our default setting and now comes the power the ability the reminder that there is something other than ourselves that is seeking us out that is coming to us and that's what creates a thrill of hope that's why a weary world rejoices that's where you get that new and glorious morn to truly understand why we have Christmas you have to understand what the world was like before we did we have to recognize what this world is like when we forget about Christmas, why the rest of the year feels differently than this time of year does, because we're not constantly surrounded by reminders. Even little things, driving down the ho- your neighborhood and that one house that has the nativity scene and it catches your eye. That's one little reminder right there about what this is really about. And that it's not about you. Man, look at what just the subtle reminders we get this time of year, how they cause us to be different than we typically are. Can you only imagine the transformation that could exist if you lived with that reminder every day? And that's what we're going to talk about in part two of our Advent series. Todd and Aaron, I'll give you guys the final word.
2: Well, it was prophetic that you mentioned that uh, nativity scene uh, because I I like uh, Christmas lights. And when I uh, first uh, owned uh, the home we're in, I uh, would get up on the roof and uh, do that. Mostly I wanted my kids to experience it. And after a couple years, the more I thought about it, I had that moment. And so now... Uh, And they love this, too. But I just have, uh, for one Christmas present I asked, I don't know, 15 years ago now, I asked for uh, the Holy Family, uh, a small nativity scene. And they are there in my front yard, and I light that up, and it stands alone. And uh, I love driving through the neighborhoods and seeing everybody else's lights, but I do it for the very purpose that you just said if who knows who's driving by and who sees that and uh what opening that provides the holy spirit uh to do his work um you yeah, i'm i'm we joke about it, Steve. Uh, you happen to naturally kick into that as soon as we get into uh, November, but I can feel it happening right now, post uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, the, the things about uh, looking down the checklist, or when is my family going to sit down and watch the the Nativity story movie? Uh, the we have to get the kids to uh, choir practice for Christmas Eve Mass. Um, it's it's a fantastic time of year to put first things first.
0: Aaron, it's well said, Todd. Um, yeah, listening listening to this, it's it's interesting. I was having a, a similar type of conversation. I think that's that's related to this, and and we we see all around us evidence of uh, the curse, whether it's. Um, Health problems, um, whether it's spiritual issues. I mean, I, my girlfriend's dad just had uh, back surgery for, uh, just a couple of weeks ago uh, for a, you know, chronic back issues. My had a close family member um, also that was just diagnosed with uh, a tumor that's that's thankfully um, treatable, but uh, it's still scary nonetheless. And then you see stories like what we've we've talked about um, now with. Uh, the ongoing purge of uh, men in in media, and that's not um, that that again, that's a spiritual uh, malady and a spiritual affliction. Um, yet at the end of the day, whatever our affliction is, whatever uh, whether it's spiritual or physical, whatever it is, it is true that it's evidence of the curse. but, if we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ we have hope that we don't have to that there's hope beyond our various afflictions we don't have to lay in our sin in our error and that's why i think at the end of the day just to rephrase or maybe boil down everything that's been said that's why there is hope that's why there is happiness there we we have we have uh, the notion, at least, that there is hope beyond whatever, um, whatever the chains are uh, that are around um, what it means to be human. There is hope beyond our afflictions. There is hope beyond the curse because of that little baby in the manger.
1: Very well said, gentlemen, both of you. That concludes part one of our Advent series here on Worldview Wednesday as we're going to spend the next three weeks here during this time on the free podcast answering the question, why Christmas? Thanks for tuning in here today. Thank you to CRTV for making this podcast available to all of you for free. Don't forget to join us later today on CRTV, promo code DACE at CRTV.com. Merry Christmas, John 317.
2: Steve Dace. I like you.